on maynard.com.au. AU! Last Saturday night, Maynard went out on a binge. He got home at four o'clock in the morning, awfully intoxicated. Well, it's not unusual for Maynard, is it? It's Bunga Bunga! Ferguson and Maynard. Bunga Bunga 20. Look out, you won't see that one coming. 20 episodes, who would have thought? I mean, I know the police tried to stop it at 19, but it just was going to keep going that extra angry inch. Ring the bell, ring the bell. Bunga Bunga 20 is in session. Can't believe we spent all of this time together, Maynard. Talking about the stuff that we talk about. I can't remember what it was, but I think it was amusing and yet hard to grapple with. You're listening to the Planet Maynard podcast, and of course, you can subscribe to Planet Maynard and get all the shows automatically to you through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of those. We'll be doing a best of Bunga Bunga once we hit 50 episodes, and you wait for that one, people. Cling to your radios. <laughs> Don't know how long it'll be. Well, there's only one moment, but we're not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to listen back through on maynard.com.au. And this show is a very special one because I spent two nights at the Harold Park. Hotel while the Doug Anthony All-Stars were writing up their show and we all like to get the news section. Let's have news from the international year of the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Tim Ferguson, news. The news is, yeah, we did two nights at the Harold Park, which was our workshop show. It was very nice of people to come along and it was nice of people to keep their feedback to themselves. Of course, it'd be a waste of time. We're not big listeners. But then we took it to Perth to the uh, beautiful Regal Theatre and, and it worked. You never know with a new comedy show, but this one, Near Death Experience is what it's called. It seemed to work. People laughed, they cried, they rolled in the aisles. Some of them had to be removed. And what's your next stop? I think we'll be going to the Gold Coast and we'll play up there because the Gold Coast is where you go for sophisticated arts. <laughs> Because yours will be the sophisticated version of Schoolies Week. Yeah, it will be, it will be. And we'll be bringing our own Schoolies team, otherwise known as sexy old people that we oh, travel And with. hello, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? How's the F- Madame Frou-Frou Cafe going? Madame Frou-Frou is going well. Okay. Lucky to see Maynard and... The people? other guy. Other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky to see them. Yeah. And they're recording Banga Banga Madame Choo Choo. Now, of course, there's going to be some exciting things happening here over summer. I believe you're going to be having a little raised area and a possible stage. The right. weather is nice. Okay. <laughs> You'll be into your summer uniform, which is like really short VFL shorts, isn't it, from the 70s? Probably if Maynard and Tim will get those one for us, we'll love to wear this stuff. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll be wearing my good bikini when they start putting up the little stage here at Madame Fru-Fru on Glee Point Road. Yeah, we might record an episode of Bunga Bunga here as well as maybe one of uh, what Double J should sound like and maybe a Planet Maynard. I mean, there'll be plenty of time. Here's a question. What Double J should sound like? It's a great podcast. What Double J should sound like? But I just wonder why there's not enough Kylie. And not only that, but... No Jason Donovan tracks from the 80s and early 90s ever go on. What's happening? I like to bring it in, but you understand that Jay and Campbell, they have some credibility they worry about losing if I bring that kind of thing into the show. Oh, for God's sake, I would have thought that what Triple J should sound like is all about getting rid of one's sense of credibility and following your heart, following your guts, 
forget credibility. Let it go because it doesn't exist. You can't take it with you. You can't wear it. You can't prove it. And what you're doing is empowering others to judge whether you have it or not. Forget that. Play the Jason Donovan tracks. Some of the covers are really quite good. Let's have a little bit of Jason right now. Hi there, this is Jason Donovan. You're listening to Maynard and all that rubbish about Kylie and myself and myself being gay. It's just crap. Don't believe any of it. actually wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I mean, you know, he's a very talented guy. And, and I've got to ask you, listener, did it hurt that much? Yeah, how do you feel? You actually felt stirrings and rememberings of Jason. So street credibility is something that people do in Northcote and in Glebe and in Darlinghurst and Newtown where no normal person would ever go unless they're being paid money. Tim, of course, we're recording this on Melbourne Cup Day, but you won't get to hear this for a little while then. Are you much of a Melbourne Cup guy? No, we've got racing in our family, always have had, but I never get excited about the Melbourne Cup because it really is just a shit fight of a race. People Mm. go out and they lose their money on the Melbourne Cup. There are usually about 30 horses running. I'll put something on the favourite, which is Fame Game this year, but Fame Game's chances of getting through... I don't know, with the weights that horse is carrying, you just can't decide. So it's a little bit like the horse race version of that Japanese game where they move shapes in front of you as you're trying to run across the rope on the way to the swimming pool. Exactly. (laughs) If you want to make money gambling on racing, go to a small country town race meet and look for the horse that looks like it's been dyed. (laughs) Top tip from Tim Ferguson there. I think we have some food arriving here, so I think it's the halloumi salad, so let's have some halloumi salad music. What are you putting in me for? You gotta have boobs If you wanna impress Tycoons and roofs You need boobs To fill out a sweater You need two, but three might be better. And that's one in the back for dancing. And we're back as the 431 rips on down Glebe Point Road at the Madame Fru Fru Cafe, which is its real name. Some people think this is just some imaginary place, Tim. Yes, and it's not Frau Frau, German. This is Madame Fru Fru, which is the sound, apparently, that a dress is described as making by the French as you Fru Fru your way down the street. Hello, everyone. Get out. Now, I've got a few questions here that people did ask me in the block that's coming up. I spoke to many people, and thank you, everyone, who spoke to me at the Harold Park Hotel. Here comes the 431, and, of course, when they go past, what do they sing, Tim? Ole, 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 ole. That's not so much the socialists, that's more your world music people on that bus. It used to be the Internationale, but those people moved further west. They went for the cheaper digs of Five Dock. Yeah, yeah, and also down at Redfern where all the film schools are. 
thank you. Everyone had lots of questions for Tim. Now, he's not going to be able to answer all of them now, but you will hear these questions in this episode, and ones he doesn't get to will be in the next episode. I've had a lot of people trying to send me a whole bunch, a whole list of about 20 people of 80s artists to get through with Tim. And Tim, you know how long it takes me to edit these shows, and if I've got to like put in 20 different songs and your opinion on them, there's, there's like a whole day or two of editing in there. People just have no feelings for what you're trying to achieve, which is something easy. What do you think of the work of Timbuk3, Tim? Timbuk3, I think there was a second album in that band. They were catchy, they were poppy, and they had a good drum funk. I'm doing all right, getting good grades. The future's so bright. I gotta wear shades. I gotta wear but where did it go? It just fell over, and I think it was because of personal issues. Well, they're only a two-piece band. You can't blame anything on the drummer, then. <laughs> what do you think of kinesiology? That's where they, they press your arm up and down to figure out what's wrong with your pancreas. <laughs> now, kinesiology, unlike any of the other modern natural therapies, deserves to be given just that extra little bit of scorn that the others don't get. I know homeopathy really cops it because it is bullshit and that Reiki is total bullshit, but the kinesiology is wicked bullshit because it's not just bullshit, it's bullshit that the bullshitters know is bullshit. It just pays really well. So for kinesiology, you might as well ask your cat how to fix your back. So go to a fucking doctor, you people. And how is Kittler? Has Kittler got its MD yet? Oh, yeah, he's an MD and a world leader. He's writing a new book. I believe he's been doing Reiki by phone. The phone rings in here. What the fuck? It's Kittler. And it's just as effective. <laughs> and another question someone asks is, Tim, what do you think of community radio? You mean a fan of the Doug Anthony All-Stars? really wants to know this or are they just trying to get me going? Should I tell them what I really think of community radio? It's in every major city of Australia. So is herpes. Look, community radio is all very well, except having worked a little bit in community radio, I can tell you that none of them, the successful ones, operate like a community. They are, in fact, mini-fiefdoms, where people hold on to their titles and roles like they were money when they're not. Just look at FBI radio. That's a good example of that. Try walking into a community radio station with a new idea, and uh, once that's been rejected, try walking in and asking if you can just make some minor changes. I was at an unnamed community radio station only a few days ago, which is all very well and they're very politically correct and they're all about the minorities and handicapped and people with difficulties and medical whatever. The only trouble is that when it comes to disabilities, nobody works there. Ask me why, Maynard. Why would that be? The stairs. There is a huge amount of stairs, a profligate amount of stairs. They have stairs on stairs, so it took me 20 minutes to get up those stairs because I get very determined about getting to the top of the stairs and saying, look what you did to me. Yeah, there's supposed to be a community radio station that is inaccessible to people who travel in wheelchairs or have other mobility issues. Hey, Alison. It's, it's the busy period here at the Frifer. Ole, 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 ole. It's world music.
music month on the 431 this month. Well, and Ole is the best song to sing. Everybody smiles when you sing Ole, 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 Ole. Let's have a hello from the Gypsy Kings at this point. Hello, everyone. This is Chico Bushiki from the Gypsy Kings with uh, Mena. Hello. I don't think they were really gypsies or kings. If you're entering a place where you're not sure of yourself or the environment, sing ole, 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 and you'll find people will kind of smile and figure you must be a little bit tipsy. You're okay. And you probably won't have as much luck with Zobi Lamouche. Or Istanbul. Constantinople, now it's Istanbul. Constantinople, been a long time gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business about the Turks. Istanbul, now Constantinople. Let's have a bit of that. Also, one of the questions was, you were to be asked about, why are you so good looking, Tim? To torment you, so that you wake up in the morning... And you hate me for my beauty and let's not kid each other. You think, oh, being beautiful, it must be so great. Being beautiful, being handsome, being whatever the word you choose is a burden. Firstly, it makes it harder to get laid. When I was a young man, it was very hard to get laid because people, they just assume you've slept with everybody because you're so good looking. Mm. Being good looking around girls is not useful. Better to be an ugly bastard. Those guys are throwing women away. The difficult side of being the good-looking Tim Ferguson. That's just the beginning. Just the beginning. (laughs) You've got to maintain yourself. These muscles and this jaw don't come from sitting around. Tim's doing a bit of growth at the moment to try on the rugged look. I'm growing a beardy arrangement, mainly through sheer laziness. If you've got time to look at the cover art, you'll see that Tim is wearing a I Do All My Stunts t-shirt, and I'm wearing the latest incarnation of the Porkers shirt. Right, yeah, it is, and very cool. Fashion's important to us. Being good-looking, it's not that special, because you get used to it. Your lovers get used to it, your partner, your wives, your spouses, your husbands, whoever they are, they get used to it. A friend of mine went out with... Perhaps the world's number one supermodel. I can't say her name because I get sued. They were going out and I said, wow, that would be incredible. He said, well, you know, after six weeks, if she was standing in front of the TV and the cricket was on, I'd just have to say, darling, get out of the way. I don't think there's anything on the TV that I would rate over, let's just say it was Kate Moss. Kate Moss was standing there, particularly in that photo where she has the bear in the bathroom, the teddy bear in the bathroom. That's a great shot. There's a new Star Trek series, one viewing only on SBS of the first pilot episode. Are you saying that whichever beautiful lover you have, after a six-week period where you've seen them from every angle, inside and out, you wouldn't say, baby, would you mind moving just aside just a little bit? I'm pretty happy to have women with me. You're the right depth of shallow, Maynard. (laughs) That's what I like about you. Which gets us to the next question which people asked in this upcoming section. Someone said they asked you about TV arseholes once. Well, the thing with arseholes in TV is that really the arsehole comes with the position. Your job title implies the acts of arseholdom that you will be committing despite your seemingly pleasant nature. So a TV executive, most of the time you'll find they're very charming people. The only trouble is most of them have jobs that at some point of their month means they've got to do something bad. It's like working at an abattoir. There are nice guys who work at abattoirs, but they spend all day killing kittens. I mean, cows. I don't know what you're eating. But some of the most charming and likeable people I know are TV executives who, yeah, 
slaughter kittens on a regular basis. Well, I think it's time to get into almost a half hour or more of the Doug Anthony All Stars. You're going to hear from Tim. And you're going to hear from Paul, and you're going to hear from the other Paul, and you're going to hear from the audience members. And I've got to say, your uh, your stage manager, Mr Cameron P Mellor, looms large in this next section. Yeah, Cameron P Mellor is our Sven Gali. A bit of back history, the Doug Anthony All-Stars started on the street as a trio of buskers in 1982 or something fresh out of school and then you know took over the world my brain exploded so we broke up for a while but we're back on the road now with Paul Flacco Livingston as the guitarist Richard Feidler the previous guitarist is now on ABC radio ABC conversations where he talks to far more important people than me or Paul McDermott also we're going to meet a few people who are actually our Patreon supporters here who are along at the show and if you could support Planet Maynard podcast that would be really handy because as you know Tim has a job and I'm completely unemployed and have been for a long time and it makes sense doesn't it Tim hell yeah get onto Patreon throw a couple of bucks at it it's on a regular basis and that way uh, we can keep this podcast coming and you can keep Maynard alive insert picture of Maynard in your mind here see that is look at that look at that face look at that face that's patreon.com slash Maynard and of course we'd like to thank CND lifestyles that's a CND cat and dog lifestyles and they're going to be uh, providing us with some prizes in the near future for people who sign up and who are people who have signed up already to the Maynard newsletter, which you can uh, sign up with by just going to maynard.com.au. And on the right-hand side, you'll see where you can sign up for the newsletter. It comes out once a month. We let you know everything that's going on. You can find yourself winning that green floating cat UFO or a portable deluxe dog mat. If your animal likes to live in Shangri-La, this is way better than that. CND Lifestyles, a new lifestyle for your cat or dog. But right now, we take you direct to the Harold Park Hotel where the audience is milling about for the first of two nights of the Doug Anthony All-Stars to try out their new show, Near Death Experience. I'll leave you with the introduction, Tim. Here they are, the Doug Anthony All-Stars fans. Some of them have been with us for a long, long time, and others are young and fresh and new who just like our brand of polemic filth. So here we are, Doug Anthony All-Stars, live in Sydney. I'm here with two dirty smokers who just want to race outside. It's Tuesday night. All they've got on their mind is nicotine, nicotine, nicotine. Who we got here? I'm a non-smoker, actually. But you're happy to sit with her while she smokes? Well, you become the pariah as a non-smoker. You're it. You're the one. You're the one going, I'll just I'll hold the table. No, nope, fuck that. I'm yeah. going to sit out there and I'm going to get the nicotine I didn't pay for. And we've got... Al. Who's come all the way from Brisbane for this Doug Anthony gigs. In fact, this is the biggest thing you've done for two years. Yeah. I'm um, a poor, 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 poor television documentary maker student. Uh, but you're also one of our rare Patreon supporters. Yeah, well, yes, yes, I am. That's maynard.com slash Patreon. Please but do what Ali does and help us support the whole thing. Why has this been the one that's tipped you and finally made you come to Sydney to see DAS after 45 years? I'm a massive DAS fan, always have been, always will be love them. I used to come and see them all the time with Jules um, back in the day. I thought, look, treat yourself, darling. Get yourself ro- frocked up and get your makeup done and go down and see the All-Stars. And how do you feel about version two with Mr Livingston? I have treated it as an entirely separate entity. I like the songs from days of old, but there's a totally different dynamic on stage and the boys are different now. I'm 40 now, I'm not 18. 
So I'm different, they're different, I'm alright with it. And there's some new material, this is like the second version of the set version 2, so there's going to be stuff that hasn't, the punchlines haven't gone out before, so there's a chance some things might not work tonight. 18-year-old Julia cried at all-star songs. Now 40-year-old Julia is crying as well. So that's that's pretty handy when you go, well, some things don't change. Are you expecting a few tears tonight yourself, Ali? Yeah, Old Triangle's always my favourite. Always my favourite. And they'll probably sing that as well, hopefully. I'm hoping for the Sailor's Arms. That's what I'm hoping for. Okay. The Sailor's Arms from, was it Dead and Live Tour? Oh, my God, if they sing that, I'll be, like, snorting with... I toured around, I'm a stand-up comedian now, I toured all around the UK and everywhere I went I tried to find a sailor's arm just so I could take a goddamn photo and send it back to my friends in Australia, like selfie up with an old school camera going, ha ha! Never once did I find a sailor's arms ever. But that's the inspiration for you to become a stand-up comic? They were certainly the first, they were the first guys that I saw live that I went, oh my god, when you get that buzz, it's such a different experience watching someone on TV, watching any comedy on TV, as to watching them live. They were the first ones that I went, oh, watch the physical reaction that everyone in the audience is having. So they're definitely one of the inspirations to go, give me that microphone, I'm going to have a crack at this. And 14 years later, I'm still bloody doing it. Oh, look, let's get started. I haven't gone too far. They've actually brought me something. Now, of course, one of the things that people often bring me is the English lollies known as Maynard. Tell us who you are and what you've brought. I'm Patty, and I brought you some wine gums. Yay! Okay. They're actually from South Africa, I think it says on the back. Maynards are in love indeed. Thank you very much for that. Enjoy. Now, what are you looking forward to with the DAS gig tonight here? We are looking forward to Paul climbing over the audience and accosting somebody in the back. That would be great. Do you think he'll do that tonight? No, I don't, but I really wish he would. There might be stuff tonight that's not funny. Well, we really hope so. Because oh, the stuff I'm sure they don't funny. feel the same way. <laughs> are you a Bunga Bunga fan? Definitely, yes, I'm a patron. Oh, thank you very much for that. Any, what's your history with dogs go back to? Uh, I grew up on VHSs that my mother taped off the TV. And they're looking a bit scratchy and funny by now, aren't they? Oh, yes. They've been played many a time, yes. Ooh. And what's your name again? Ella. How did you discover them? Did your mum just sit you down in front of a VHS tape at some stage? Or? <laughs> yeah, I never had a choice. That was, that was never an option to not watch them. Tim said that a few of the jokes tonight are two-thirds written. They're just requiring McDermott on stage to make them complete. Here's someone who just walked in. How long have you been a Doug Anthony All-Stars fan? And what's your name and your uh, pension number? I'm a Patreon supporter. Thank you very much. We appreciate that for Bunga Bunga and all down the podcast. Be like these people and be a Patreon supporter. I've been unemployed for a long time now. I know you have. Now, what are you, looking, what are you hoping that they'll do tonight? As long as they do, I fuck dogs, I don't care. And I do love Bunga Bunga. And I'm here with Imogen. Hello. Are you a Bunga Bunga listener at all? I definitely am. Have you got any questions for Tim at all? Uh, how do you remain so devastatingly handsome, Timothy? He gets that question a lot. He's always ready for that one. We've been holding his feet to the fire, as I've said, with the Morrissey issue, with the Billy Bragg issue. All of those are very strong with him. He does feel very strong about his only good looks. He'll tell you about that all day. In fact, we have to edit that down. I feel strongly about Morrissey, so I definitely have a word or two to say about that. Yes. I am pro-Morrissey. So when, when you heard his righteous anger about Morrissey, how did you feel? I went and saw Morrissey. Tim was angry even with me for going to the <laughs> Opera House. Uh, a little hurt, to be honest. Just a little hurt. I, I hold Tim dear and close to my heart, and for him to cut down Morrissey that way, honestly, I was personally offended. How did you get into him in the first place? When was that? I was a teenager watching Good Newsweek. You can feel the tension in the room. All the seats are empty. All I look back and I see a whole bunch of empty seats that are going to be full of people ready for some comedy fairly shortly. Good judging. So at the main night here at the bar, we have Tim's beautiful wife speaking to Cameron P. Mellor. And uh, Cameron, I'm sorry to inter interrupt you with this very tense, obviously tense time. How's it feel just before the DAS show, version two, show two, possibly not funny, goes to air? 
Well, there's a good chance it's not going to be funny for the audience, but it's going to be incredibly, uh, incredibly funny for me. You've got to understand, this guy's seen all their shows, and there's one thing funnier than when a dash gag works is when it doesn't work yeah, to people who know them. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right, because I, uh, there, there are nuances deep within their facial muscles that I can tell when they're feeling very uncomfortable, and that, for me, is the comedy gold. But I will say that the rehearsal today, there's some new material. It's brilliant. It hurts. They're on fire. It's all good. We're about to relaunch. It's great. Yeah, I just went backstage to talk to them then, but they were all a little bit too tense to talk to me, which is unusual. They'll get over it. Is there some facial expression we should be looking for that is the tell that maybe the gag didn't go as well as you would expect? Uh, Tim doesn't seem to care. He's so confident. He could be telling jokes that aren't funny and you wouldn't know. I think it's the slow head turn from McDermott to the right, <laughs> to his right, uh, looking over at Ferguson with a blank expression of sort of a, a little bit rabbit in the headlights, but a little bit of, if I look at Tim long enough, maybe something will happen <laughs> and I don't have to deal with it. They're the little ones that I look for, the little one percenters, the little one percenters, they're the important ones. We're here with Tim's beautiful wife. We don't like to put you in the spotlight too often, but how's Tim been feeling leading up to the gig? Could you get a short quote from you? He's actually been really good, really, really happy. Cameron's been a bit of a slave driver though. He has been feeling a bit sore from that, but to be honest, he's, he's in pretty good form. So that's what drew me over here, because you were bad-mouthing Kitler, their cat. Yes. You were saying that Kittler doesn't like you. Maynard, the bottom line is that cats read people very well. And generally speaking, cats across the board don't like me. Because I think I walk into a room and they just go, yeah, you're no good. Can they tell you're a production manager? You're used to setting things up, moving things, telling things, and they don't want that in their life? They're just a good judge of character, Maynard. It just stares me down. Well, good luck with Kittler in future. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We're right down the front now. Now, you managed to get the seats right at the front. Of course. Now, Where you, else are we supposed to go? And because you're at the front, you can see a bit of the magic going on. You can see the three guys prepping. To, and I know you're casually not trying to look, but you're actually, you can see them getting ready. How, how would you describe that to the listener as to what is happening? It, it definitely looks tense. They look nervous. I think they're worried. Paul is pacing as ever, because what else does he do? He's a very nervous guy. He's shuffling papers too, like he's doing a school report. Well, he's probably not sure of the set list yet. And of course, Paul Livingston is just as calm as a cucumber. That's right. Of course. What else did you expect? <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but they're going to play Morrissey backwards. And that's something new, isn't it? It sounds new. Okay, Nobody I'm, plays Morrissey backwards, sure. No, I'm sure. I'm sure we will just see what's going to go on for this bunga bunga. <laughs> I'm just at the bar here with who have we got here, sir? Luke. Luke, you a bunga bunga fan? Big time fan. Yeah. Have you got any questions for Tim? How do you feel about his stance on Morrissey? I don't think it's strong enough. Okay, right. Yeah. What about his stance on Billy Bragg, which is almost as strong as his stance yeah. on Morrissey? Yep. Billy Bragg, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same par with him, yeah. What are you hoping to get from them tonight, version two of their show? To put Richard into the ashes. Ooh. <laughs> That's someone who's seen him before. <laughs> One of the experts of Australian comedy, a guy who's been to a few gigs and has written a few things about them, is Don Romeo. Hi, Don. Hi, Maynard. you still got your blog going where you do reviews of comedy and stuff. Where can we find you? I've still got standanddeliver.blogs.com, but I don't use it very much anymore. I'm usually writing for other people. Well, you're a huge Australian comedy expert. What do you think we're going to witness tonight? I think we're going to be reminded that one of the greatest acts of all time is still alive and well and kicking everyone in the teeth as well they should. So it's the second version of the Doug Anthony All-Stars with their second time that they've revamped their show. They're doing something that no one's really doing at all, but they're doing very wisely, they're doing the comedy of mortality. As Tim will tell us, tick-tock, the clock's ticking and they're well aware of it. There's plenty of grumpy old men humour 
a la Clarkson and that sort of thing, but these are beyond that. Well, they're, they're actually dealing with mortality in a way that most people are too afraid to deal with, and it is something, whether we lie it to ourselves or not, it's something we all have to face. What do you think of Tim's fairly a harsh stance on Morrissey and Billy Bragg? I tend to agree with him on Morrissey. I think he's going too hard on Billy Bragg. You're down the front, are you? No, not this time. I've done that before. I'm staying up the back. I'll let someone else be the victim It tonight. doesn't always pay to be down the front, does it? No, you, you need to be pretty strong. They look old, but they've still got a lot of kick in them. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Harold Park Hotel. Please make welcome the legend himself, Mr. Dale Elaine Heiser! <laughs> Harold Park, how are we? Ladies and gentlemen, are we ready for the show? <laughs> Good. But because you didn't sound ready, I'm going to do one bit just to stretch it out even more just to make you cry and agony and go, get the lispy guy off and bring the retarded one on. Ladies and gentlemen, are we ready for the show? Are you popping the dogs and the all-stars? All right. Before we bring the dogs out, we've got a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage with a big round of applause. Without any further ado, Flacco! I want you all to take a good, long, hard look at yourselves. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just think that after 4.5 billion years of evolutionary trial and error, that that is the best planet we can let me assure you there'll be no cheap comedy on my watch. There'll be no audience participation. There'll be no singling out of individuals for humiliation, which is unfortunate because I can have a field day with you. There'll be none of that. We are trying out new material tonight. The free stuff is over. Now we make the pay. My friends, it should come as no surprise to you that it gives me a scintilla of pleasure. A scintilla. A, oh, look at that. A scintilla of pleasure. To bring to the stage a troop of men who, whilst they may not be gods, at least one of them does think he's God's gift to humanity. And the other one does move in a mysterious way. <laughs> and if any of their new material works tonight, it'll be a fucking miracle. <laughs> Please welcome back to the Harry Potter Hotel stage, the remnants. <laughs> the best of what's left of. <laughs> at the top of our game. <laughs> None of us are feeling any better, frankly. I'm off my fucking tits all the time. <laughs> I'm going blind upon 
phone I'm watching, I'm watching it all of the time I'm painting the screen And laying waste to God's purpose for my body's design Oh, self-pollution Well, there's no, no real solution I have to find real true love Come back tomorrow for a show in half as long What did you make of the show? The second version of the second version of the Doug Anthony's, their first show tonight here at well, the Hell Park. Their new guitarist is just as crap, but with better hair. The way he performed would be exactly the same if the jokes did work as if they didn't, wouldn't they? Yes. Well, you're someone who from back in the day was obviously a big Doug Anthony's fan. I was there in London in 93 with my beautiful friend here, Annalisa. Hi, Annalisa. <laughs> I remember road trips to Bathurst singing to the Icon album, beautiful harmonies, beautiful songs and brutal comedy that just took our breath away and tonight was brilliant. I think if there's anywhere where brutal, brutal language and brutal comedy can come into it and just take you by the throat and, and make you suffer, yeah. the Doug Anthony All-Stars do it. <laughs> now we're here with the man who had the task of coming out and supporting the Dugs tonight. Who are you and what did you have to do tonight? My name's Dane Heiser. I've worked with the Dugs a couple of times now. I run the comedy at Harrow Park here. So I got to support them again, which was amazing. What did you make of their audience? Really good audience. Really warm, really friendly. They were up for the Dugs. They wanted to see Das. They were here for them, but they still gave me good support. What were the guys like backstage? A bit tense, were they, beforehand? Oh, yeah. Typical tortured artist. Always very tense. And how do you think the new material went? I think it went well. I think it's definitely rough around the edges, but to be honest, that's when they work best, when they are rough around the edges. You go to comedy to watch an accident too. Yeah. Same with live TV. You watch live TV to see something stuff up. Same thing. You go and you relish when it goes wrong. Live TV is not really enjoyable unless you see someone's bum. <laughs> exactly. And tonight, I think we got more than that. I'm actually here with someone who's got some copies of my books to sign. Wow. Wow. Why do you want my book? Because it's really fantastic. Sign it. Have you had time to read the guide to Dag or do a few of the quiz questions? I think that I might probably pass the quiz. So what do you make of the show? You've, you've come all the way from Brisbane, Ali. What do you make of it? Vegas. I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. They sung Sailor's Arms, which I love. Do you think they're still as offensive and as edgy as always? Oh, of course, yes. Christ, yes. So <laughs> They've worked out some new areas to offend people in, like with the disabled material. Yes, whenever someone feels sorry for Tim, he just goes below. There's the gutter and then there's the Doug Anthony All-Stars. God bless their cotton socks. What the hell was that? It's amazing the word we're going to use. I don't think so. I don't think that's fair. What was your favourite? Oh, hospital gown. Hospital gown. What the fuck is hospital gown? <laughs> I think in a year's time we'll know. What's your favourite new material they're doing? I love the last song that just threw me, the porn song. Oh my God. I thought I was already laughed out, but obviously I wasn't. I thought it was brilliant. Mind-blowing. I love it. It's a train wreck, but you're going to enjoy it. Was there one bit of new material you thought, hey, that's definitely got legs? I really enjoyed the last song, and I'm hoping I'm not saying that because it was the last song and it's freshest in my memory, mm, yeah. but I thoroughly enjoyed it because, as an avid porn watcher, I'm impressed with how many fucking titles there were in there. That was impressive. Tim's obviously done a lot of research at home on that one. <laughs> I believe so. There were some phrases in there that even I didn't recognise, and I'm a porn connoisseur, so I was very impressed with that. I'm just grabbing Paul at the end of the merchandising night. Mr Livingston, how are you? Oh, look, I'm very well after this 
show I'm quite old and tired. <laughs> it's a long show for an old man. Well, you know, I'm just standing on stage waiting for the other two to shut up so I can go home. The way your performance would go on a show like tonight would be identical if the show went well or if the show didn't go well. Your performance would be similar, be the same. Yeah, mostly when I'm on stage with them, I just want to get off the stage. <laughs> and the longer it goes on, the angrier I get. But people think I'm acting. Yes, there's a lot of flailing of the wrist going, is this it? Is this it? Is that all? Well, that's all honesty, because I don't know what they're doing, and but neither do they. The warm-up act put a lot of work into that. Mm. They come on, they make it all up. That's cheating. It's like, it's like jazz comedy. So you've spent a couple of months on that 15 minutes. Standing in front of the mirror every night trying to work it out all day. I spent 15 minutes in the last three months trying to work on that show. Both you and Paul are the artistic ones of the, of the three, yet it's Tim's artwork that gets sold as the merchandise. I find that a bit ironic. The general public, they don't realise art when they see it, so <laughs> they, they only go for the popular stuff. They might as well get Tim anyway, really. Exactly, yeah. So you're looking forward to going out and around the world again with them? Oh, no, I hate touring. I'll be 60 next year. I wouldn't have thought that at this age I'd be doing something that makes me so unhappy, basically. That's all I can say. But apparently it's a living. Mr P. Miller, after the gig, what do you reckon was the best bit of the show? What bit worked the best that's new? When they have bits of A4 uh, paper in their hands and they're actually looking at the A4 paper as they read shit out, it's always uh, highly entertaining. I thought the last song, Self Pollution, was really a standout, kind of a monument to where people like Mr McDermott can end up in their lives. You know, I think he's at the point in his life where he's ready to kind of commit to the fact that he's ended up where he has. I've already had two people mention to me that a lot of the uh, fetishes mentioned in that song are spot on. If there's any song in the pantheon of all-stars tunes that sums Paul McDermott up, it's that song. You know, he is Benjamin Button. You know, if there's any song that's ever going to sum Paul McDermott up, that's the song. I also greatly enjoyed Tim Ferguson's bicycle bell work. Uh, Extraordinary in that his timing was great on the bells and and the fact that it was really annoying McDermott was amazing. But you're the guy that's now got to take this on tour for the next year. There's a few things that need to be ironed out and that's why we're here at the Harold Park. One guy down the front walked out. I believe McDermott poured water onto his seat. Shortly you've got to be the bad cop. They're signing autographs and mingling with the fans there and you're the one that's got to put a stop to it there and that must be an unpleasant task in some ways. It is an unpleasant task but it, it really depends who they're talking to because on certain nights they really want to be dragged away by the bad cop and on other nights they really don't want to be dragged and it's very hard to read and normally I get it wrong. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. I'm just in next to Paul. Paul, how was it there doing this first show in front of people? I found it a little bit shambolic to be honest with you. I think I think the people enjoyed it, which is always good. That's a bonus for us if people like it. Normally we just like to make each other happy and if we make each other happy then surely some of the happiness that we experience from each other will the audience will gain some joy from that as well. I saw you two guys just looking really happy with each other there on stage. Things didn't go as well as you expected. They just need a bit of polishing and they'll be just fine, I reckon. Yeah, well, it's great to hear that positivity. Yeah, yeah. great, great, really great to hear that positivity. Yeah. <laughs> Would you be as positive as the statement I just made then, Tim? I'm always positive, Maynard. I think it was fabulous. Paul was hilarious and I think the guitarist was really on point as we say in the dance industry. Yeah, you really held it together really well there, Paul, at all times. Oh, thank you very much, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I pride myself as being a professional. Not a well-paid professional, but a professional. (laughs) The only bit that let me down is you you took a lot of time to pour the water over that guy's seat that left and he never fucking came back. The joy for me was just pouring the water on the seat. You didn't want him back at that seat. (laughs) See everyone. See you, my friends. See you, my good friends. Bongo, bongo. It's now the Wednesday night. It's the second night, but it's kind of fun. You get this deja vu thing that goes on at Doug Anthony's show. 
there's always the same people down the front of the queue. We've got our Tolkien character. <laughs> I am Ella. And her mum, Patty. Uh, why have you come back for a second go of the second version of their second version of Doug Anthony All Stars? Well, the main reason is because we had to book in advance. We didn't really have a choice. We already had the tickets. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hour show last night. Because it was rubbish. A couple of the things that were on the playlist that they didn't do, maybe we'll get tonight. They'll be chopping them in to see how they go, won't they? hope so. There was lots of things that we didn't get to see and we were very disappointed. What would you make of the new material? What was your favourite stuff? New version of Guns was beautiful. And that song they finished with? Self-pollution. Self-pollution. I'm such an addict. (laughs) As you're both Bunga Bunga supporters and Patreon supporters too, and thank you very much for your support. Thank you, I I need it. Keeps the lights on. I'm scared (laughs) of the dark. My question is, why does he blow off all my other questions? He's a bit too casual about them, hey? Oh, just a little, yeah. It could offend the true fans, you know. He's got to be careful. It's rubbish. (laughs) We'll be back. It doesn't matter what he does. Have you got something for him? Well, yes, I asked him a question, but he refused to answer it. Which one was that? I asked him about TV assholes, and he refused to. Andrew Denton's idea was that when you're on TV for too long, you become a TV asshole. And did Tim know any TV assholes and could he tell us about them? And he wouldn't say. I've known some people that personality had certainly changed. Actually, there's a very famous quote from Stephen Fry who was talking about people who write their column. They write their own column about their own opinion. That after you do it for a while, you come to think that your opinion is worth more than other people's. And I think that being on television and having done a bit of television myself, that you can be deluded into that fact. I think that's probably fair. We figured that Tim would have some insight into this, but... Mm. Well, that's what we were hoping. I've got this gentleman lining up. You, you want to be second in the queue already, sir? Second of four. I have never seen them live and I am dying to see them. The word to describe what's going to happen to you tonight is ordeal, sir. You're having an ordeal. 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 I hope I don't have the same ordeal I had in 1971 when I went to see Jimmy Edwards and Eric Sykes in Big Bad Mouse because that night I laughed so hard that my stomach hurt for days afterwards. Wow. You've pulled some names out the hat there, so that's great. They are comedy greats. It's a two and a half hour show, so I suggest you have have what was last night. It was last night without a break, so have a wee beforehand, sir. Please don't go and interview my wife and tell her that because she thinks it's only going to be an hour. Okay. I'm here with some people that you may recognise. I'm here with Richard Saunders. Well, Richard, when did you see the Doug Anthony All-Stars last time? On TV many years ago. I have not seen them live. I'm really looking forward to it. It sounds like a good show. For you, I've come to know Tim Ferguson a little bit. He's a really great bloke. To see him on stage there, he's powering through. I know him from Bunga Bunga now more than anything else. Yeah, and there's a lot of Bunga Bunga fans here and some Patreon supporters here tonight too, and I want to thank everyone listening for doing that. It's a packed house, and I think they're looking forward to it as well. Hello, sir. I know you have a Doug Anthony All-Star shirt on. I last saw them in the Seymour Centre earlier this year. Been to the last couple of ones that they've done at the Harold Park Hotel getting ready for their tours. And are you old enough to have experienced them back in the day? I'm not, no. How the hell did you get into it then? Uh, When I was in high school, that was when Good News Week came back. And there was an episode where Tim was selling his cheeky monkey book and they made the joke, what's chapter two called? Don't tell Richard. And so I asked the pertinent question, who's Richard? A lot of people ask that. I liked Paul McDermott, who was hosting it, and I I looked up some of his stuff, and I enjoyed it. The show's, the working title is Near Death Experience. Death always seems to be part of the, particularly with Dead and Alive, where you've got the whole necrophilia thing. It's always been a key theme, but now I think 
as they're approaching it, it's probably becoming more and more pertinent. I was just standing here by the condiment table at the Harold Park Hotel when this guy came forward and said, I'd like some sauce, thank you. What's your name, sir? My name's Angus. I was blundering around looking for a friend and I've found you instead. Hello, Maynard. Oh, look, I'll be your friend for the moment. I won't buy you a drink, but I might see you home. You are one of our Patreon supporters. Uh, yes, I am. Um, wow, I'm meeting a lot of them tonight and thank you a lot. It means a lot to a guy who's unemployed. Yeah, I, I heard about that. Sorry to hear about it. I hope it's very temporary. Well, it's been 14 months now, so, you know. These days, that's temporary, so... Yeah. You are keeping me in $2 noodles, so I really appreciate that. There's another $2 down the pipeline to you. Yay! Thank you! Is there something you'd like to ask Tim, now you've got the attention of the Bunga Bunga microphone? Any burning social issue you want to reveal or question on uh, Bunga Bunga? Now's your chance. Sad to say, I'm looking at the... Uh, the condominium development that's happening here instead. and It looks not unlike a prison. It, it does. It really does. It really is. You, you never thought you'd say in your entire life, gee, I really miss the trotting track. So perhaps we can ask Tim uh, the burning question of today, is there room for more urban development instead of the trots? Because you know he's into harness racing. Oh, thanks, man. This has been special. First time. Bunga Bunga. Uh, you want to give a shout out to anyone while you're here? Big shout out to Isabel. She knows who she is. And of course, our man who warmed them up last night for the first night is back for tonight again. We have... Dane Heiser. Same routine as last night, or are you going to go a bit more edgy? Uh, a little bit different, but I'm having, going to have it tighter. I've been instructed to make it punchier and shorter. I'm uh, Maynard reporting for some we stuff from Bunga Bunga. Maynard oh, and Bunga Bunga is. Oh, some people who know what Bunga Bunga is. When did you guys become Doug? fans originally? A thousand years ago when the sun was young. In our younger years, yes. Did you have time? To see, were you young enough to see them live back then? I was. I saw them when I was about oh, 18 years old at the okay. Belvoir Street Theatre where Flacco was opening for them. Don't Thank get you, too mate. close to Paul. Cameron P. Miller here. Two and a half hour show last night. Was that because the new stuff and the old stuff was colliding a bit? Was that what it was? Uh, it was just more the fact that, you know, you have three individuals like uh, the two Pauls and Tim and they all have different ideas about which direction the show should go. And it's kind of like a push-me-pull-you scenario. And then they look at me and I point at my watch with a, a cocked eyebrow. Does that work at all? No. Why do they even give you the theatre of thinking oh, that you do? A, well, it, it actually is all about the theatre. But uh, it was a great show last night. They were having a lot of fun. And to be honest, the problem with the length of show has always been that they're just having too much of a good time and they're mm. cracking each other up. And I stand there and I point at my watch and it doesn't make any difference at all, Maynard, as you <laughs> rightly pointed out. But I did enjoy that yourself and Tim's lovely wife had that special laugh when things didn't go so well last night. And that made me laugh too. So there was three of us giggling like monkeys at things that people are going, what's up with you like? The most important thing about that scenario is that it really upsets McDermott. Because I've got a fairly loud voice and a distinctive laugh, he knows that when I laugh in between the lines, when I'm not meant to laugh, it means that something's going wrong. So you also hipped us to what we're to look to. It's Paul's look to the right and his eyes go to the back of his head. That's towards, of course, our mutual friend uh, Hot Wheels, or uh, Tim Ferguson, as some people call him. And of course, you know, as you saw last night, Tim, Tim can go in any direction. He may have mobility issues, but he can swing to the left and swing to the right pretty quickly on a comedic level. His mind is doing more wandering than his body can at the moment, that's for sure. Yes. I'm just currently uh, going down into the row following two gentlemen that I spotted coming in who look like they're Doug's fans, and of course they're working their way as close as they possible to the front. Come on, guys, get down the front there. You want to see McDermott's chest heaving. I'm Hugh McGregor. James Grant. When did you guys become Doug Anthony fans, if, if at all, or you just happened to turn up here on a bet? Well, uh, James sort of bought my tickets, so... <laughs> You've cashed up big tonight. What's make you spend that kind of money on these guys? Well, see, I've been to their last performance. It was absolutely fantastic. It was fantastic, so we decided to come back. You strike me as being far too young to have seen them originally. I started um, actually with Paul McDermott on 
Good News Week. Then I watched an interview of him into of him uh, interviewing Tim Ferguson, and okay. it kind of it all went from there. And I realised that hey, that they might have been a band, so let's give it a shot. What if your friend here's appalled? You've taken long to a show. He thinks is a dud. This could really risk your relationship as a friendship in the future. Probably. Oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. We actually do have a, a bunga bunga listener here. My name's Matt. I'm not up to date. Big fan. Uh, been listening for a, a little while, off and on. Now's your chance to serve a bit of crank mail up with a burning social issue for Ferguson. Is there something you think you'd like to ask Ferguson? Now's the time to front him with it. I'm a bit overwhelmed at the idea of posing a question to Ferg. My main big, big question to Ferg would probably be is how do we get less people voting in local elections and more people voting where it matters. I'd like to see his take on that, I guess. He'll frown, but he will answer it. I think he'll think what a lot of pseudo-intellectual faff. Why the fuck did you ask him that question? He could accuse you of being a Morrissey fan. You never know. Oh, God. Look, he's got a strong stance on that. How do you, how do you feel about his stance on vis-a-vis Billy Bragg and Morrissey? I'm more of a Robert Smith fan, so that really infected me at a young age, much like Gas. That, that, that's a Morrissey absolute legend, absolutely musical genius, but for Christ's sake, as far as Billy Bragg goes, he's the richest, kind-hearted man in the world. So did you see them originally? I was in uh, Year 6 and I watched a big gig in, in Canberra and first episode, uh, teachers left the room. Everyone went crazy. Oh my God, there's a television. We put big gig on and then Das literally exploded on the screen and then they sang great final with, oh my God, they're, they're everything we want to be and they can sing. So that was it and it totally infected the rest of my life. Okay. Thanks, Maynard. Okay. We're here with... Radia and Holly. You're in a fairly relaxed position here. You're leaning up against the window in case the comedy has a problem. You look like you may know what you're in for tonight. Yeah, we've been a couple of times over the last, what, 18 months? Yeah, I think this is probably the fourth time we've seen the guys. This show's got even more death in it than the last one. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> last time there was quite a bit of death. I was heavily pregnant last time and almost went into to labour. They're pretty wonderful still. They've aged very gracefully. Yes, very gracefully. Yeah, they can still be as offensive as ever. Yes, absolutely. I think you will leave here offended tonight. You'll be going home going, oh, fuck them. That's what you'll be thinking to yourself. Excellent. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> Joe Alabaster here from the sister podcast, The Skeptic Zone. You're actually, I'm not even sitting in the front row. You've decided to sit in the front row. Why have you put yourself up for that? I'm feeling pretty darn brave at the moment, Maynard. Yeah, you may not feel that way in two hours' time. We will see. So when was the last time you saw them? Somewhere around 19 1994-ish and I was 14 and I was thoroughly corrupted. It was actually, goodness, the entertainment centre or I think it might have been at UWA and I came home smelling a beer because they did the ice capades kind of gig and sprayed beer all over the audience and 14-year-old me came home in my dust t-shirt, parents smelling beer on me. And if you could say something to the 14-year-old Joe now, what would you say? Holy shit. Thank you very much. And are we ready for an amazing night of comedy and chaos and destruction? Yeah. <laughs> the Dave, <laughs> attach very kindly just this bell. <laughs> now, some people say the bell is just a passive-aggressive way of being rude. But I say to them... Drink, drink, drink. Drink until you're drunk. Drink until you can't stand up to roly roly sun. I'm a bit off my face. <laughs> Seats. Did those sturdy fuckers turn up or not? This is my primary carer. <laughs> you will make me call your name and I shout it to the blue summer sky. And people always suggesting to me, oh, you should try homeopathy. You should really try homeopathy. And I just, I used to be polite and say, oh, that's very interesting. I'll give it a try. Now I just say, why don't you get fucked 
with a tiny, tiny, tiny little penis. You disappoint me when you dress me as a gimp. Bikini clad, she nailed walls on crack. Thank you and good night. I'm seeing the two guys we spoke to earlier that got good seats and have seen the show. Gentlemen, over here for a second, if you could. We had the friend who paid for his seat. How was that so? No, it was fantastic. Best bit of the show for you? Probably the ending song. Definitely. That was pretty good. And for you? Fantastic. Just something new every time. Do you think this may actually attract you to perhaps get into some MS in the future? <laughs> Probably not. Well, whatever. We'll give it a shot. We'll see look, how it look, goes. Tim makes it as appealing as it's ever going to be. Definitely. Good advertisement for it, eh? And you're still friends after he paid for your seat for this ordeal tonight? Oh, no. No, definitely not. I'm in pain from laughing so much. It, it was pretty bloody good. What do you think was the best bit tonight? To Kanye and Kim. That and was pretty you? impressive. Quite a big difference in tonight's show. They rearranged a lot of things and they cut bits that were separated and brought them together. So you can see just in two shows how a show can morph. So imagine what it's going to be like next year when they take it abroad or whatever. It's going to be super tight. So here, Harold Park, you're a witness to the birth of it. Pretty special. Now I'm here between two of the big fans who are in the front row. We have... Tor. And... Ella. Oh, come on, it's a microphone. <laughs> That's why I'm terrified of it. Front row is the place to be. You get heckled, which is the best thing in the, on earth. And I got in trouble for fucking filming something. I got in trouble. <laughs> they set jokes up this time rather than just giving you the punchline and hoping you got it. That was nice. Hello, Paul. May I talk to you if that's oh, okay? Hi, mate. Oh. Yeah, of course. Yeah, look, I hope you don't mind me just sticking the microphone so close in your face after the gig. Oh, no, that's right, yeah. But uh, the second show moved much more smoothly even within 24 hours of the first show. We like moving things around, trying to get it right. It'll take a bit more shuffling uh, of the pieces and, uh, and the components and, and maybe even the people. I'm looking at the personnel at the moment. I feel a couple of the people on stage certainly let me down over the well, course of the There's a few night. wheelchair comics in Australia you haven't investigated yet. Oh, no, we have, we have investigated <laughs> them, Maynard. Uh, you know, You've made some calls. We know that we've got a limited run with this fella, so we're just thinking that the All-Stars will go on with or without Ferg. And, and how do you feel this evening after the show? I always feel the same after the show. I just, I just want to get away and you know, hibernate and go back to my normal life, really. You feel like that, and uh, Paul Livingston feels like that, but Tim, the one in the wheelchair who has the illness, doesn't really feel like that. It's interesting, isn't it? Certainly when you, you're faced with such... Uh, with such life decisions as Mr. Ferguson is, then life, you know, is something extraordinary and should be valued and, uh, and, and every day is, is really incredibly precious to him. But I have uh, no sickness, no disease, and I can squander days quite easily. I, I like squandering. You know. well, I'm a wasteful human being. So. Well, you could spend the entire day just staring at a painting, wonder what brushstroke you're going to do next. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of things, but there's no there's no impetus or imperative to me to, to enjoy existence. I, I and I must apologise for taking photos of you guys on stage. You know, it was just one of those things. I was a bit surprised, and you don't know whether people are taking video or, or what they're doing. And, and just and in that moment, I just it was a bit of a fragile moment. It was a very sensitive song. Oh, First time I've ever you know tried to play guitar. I failed dismally but also I'm, I'm sorry because I thought you actually played guitar quite well I was no no, I, no, I, no I've never played guitar but you know why that could be because you don't I mean you you don't know me uh, well, you that, know, that's correct and this is something that people should remember that when you go up to meet Paul Mc, I've met you many times over many years but would say would you know Paul McDermott well no yet you who's someone who comes along to a show you may mistakenly think you know Paul because you've seen him on television but that's a one-way relationship and that must be a bit of a problem sometimes. Yes. Oh, yes. 
I'm here with Mr. Livingston, um, one of my favourite members of the band, because he's refreshingly honest. Um, he'd rather be at home watching Battleship Potemkin at this moment, learning about the introduction of montage to modern cinema, than perhaps being here talking to me. Well, at least that. I'd rather be doing anything else in the world than be here. But that's why that's how I felt before the show. Usually how I feel after the show, and often during the show. Did you actually have any dialogues? And I thought maybe you had one line. Maybe you actually did get one line of dialogue out. Is that true or not? Uh, they won't let me talk. The show goes to three hours anyway, so if I had to it, it's not going to help anybody. You are the most relaxed. The little opening bit there was very nice, very tight. You know, I, I do my fast talking and get that out of the way in the first ten minutes, and then I know what Harpo feels like. And not the Harpo who sang Horoscope and Movie no, Star, no, the Swedish going, one, different one. We're going back to uh, ancient, ancient Harpo. Paul feels a, he seems a bit more racked. But he's 24 hours like that. He's a grumpy little man. He's quite horrible. People think it's an act, but he is, he is a horrible, horrible man. The truth is he's a teetotaling, shy coward. We know that, yeah. but we would never say that in public. So this is between us. I would like to have a chat, a longer interview with you sometime, particularly about the sceptical stuff you've been doing in some of your solo shows. Would you talk about that sometime? Well, I'm an old hand, a, a card-carrying sceptic from the old days. Yeah, I'd be loved to talk about it. What got you into scepticism, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I was a Christian. I started out, I, I'm a fence jumper. So, so were was, you Presbyterian, Catholic? I was a true believer. It was back in the 70s and I was a Jesus freak. So it was peace, love, hippies and God. Was there any denomination or...? Well, we were a little cold. We were, I was from a place called the House of the New World. Up the road we had the House on Fire. Yes, in man. Adelaide we had the House of the Risen Sun. Were these people who spoke tongues? The House on Fire were charismatic Christians, so they spoke in tongues. But we didn't go near them. We were cool dudes. We had all the academic kind of Christianity, which was basically 50s existentialism, but with God added on. So God is dead, but sort of not. That was what we were. We need to have a chat about this on a separate podcast at some time there, but are you looking forward to Perth later this week? Well, it's a long flight, but I'll be, I'll be happy once I'm there. What's your name, sir? Alex. And what was the first time you saw them? Let's go back there. When I was about 15 on the DVD, one of my friends said, hey, what's this? And watched them ever since. I didn't think it was going to be as funny as it was, but it was quite hilarious. No, it was as wrong as it's always been. What oh, yeah, was very, the, very what, wrong. What was the most wrong bit of the evening for you? The way they kept on taking the piss out of Tim. If you can make a joke about what you got, go ahead and do it. Paul, when people come up to you, um, is, is, is there one routine they always go back to and they go, that's the one I remember you for? Is there one common thing they go, I remember you for this particular joke? I, in my day, had a catchphrase, like back in 89 when I was doing a big gig, and it returns to me to this day. The catchphrase is not a bad day for it, which is not a funny line, but at the time people seemed to really like it if I repeated it enough. It could go at the end of anything. Yeah, it does go My at the grandmother end of died, well, not a bad day for it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the Star Wars movie's out, not a bad day for it. It's the end of a sentence. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> but for some reason, it caught on and it won't go away. Well, congratulations on that anyway. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll keep it with me. We met on spin-out. Did you do spin-out? Yes, I did indeed. Yes, we were on spin-out. Hang on a minute. I'm talking to two members of the cast of spin-out. We have hey, Aaron Sendos. And Morgan Griffin. Morgan Griffin. And we can't say anything because Sony USA will come down and kill yeah, me and everything. Right. But you're two of the members of cast have spin out. And so how was Tim as the associate director? Joy to work with. What was the bit of the show you think was the most wrong? When Tim was talking about having sex with two ladies in a brothel. <laughs> it was kind of weird to see him in that light, but great. It was yeah. very... Yeah, because normally he's been the guy that's been telling you what yeah. to do. and it's Quite G-rated. Yeah, so yeah. It, was, um, it was a shock. Especially on such a, a young and impressionable mind. <laughs> you would have never heard or oh, seen I've that kind I've of thing. I've never, before. ever, ever witnessed any of this kind of thing. Nothing like that has been on your account on X Hamster I've ever seen. Exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I My favourite part of the show, which I didn't think was wrong, was his 
his poem, his feminist poem. His feminist poem was great. I get it, you know, as a woman. If you could ask Tim a question, anything. Do you actually like being a part of the dugout for the All-Stars? Yes. Is, Do you is, enjoy it? Is Paul McDermott, has he got you hostage somehow? Yeah. Is, yeah. is, is he, he just roped you into this for like yeah. the 50 billionth time and so are you hating it? If Tim maybe isn't feeling that way, he could write save me on his eyelids and just yeah. blink Absolutely. a bit. Exactly. Well, he's very severe Stockholm Syndrome at this point. <laughs> yeah. How are you? What's your name? Jamelsa. You were most offended at? Hang on, I've just been goosed. Thank you, sir. The fact the guitarist didn't say anything. Your favourite moment from tonight, or even your most wrong moment from tonight? Hospital gowns? So hospital many. gowns? Yeah, hospital gowns, yes, yes. I've seen bits and pieces on TV, but I'm from New Zealand, so I'm a bit deprived. I like the Christian bits. They were probably the wrongest bits, but I like those bits. <laughs> We've got Cameron P. Miller. Look, I won't keep you too long, because you've got to get everyone out of here by uh, midnight here. How'd the show go? In fact, I even got fucking told off for taking a photo of Bloody Paul while he was playing the guitar. Yeah. It was yeah. like it was a shroud of Turin or something. Yeah, yeah. I got the same treatment. You and made the reason photos. I took the photo is because I saw you taking a photo. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to take a big photo for Paul's big moment. You, you know, Paul playing the guitar for the first time, as far as I know, well, at least with the All-Stars. And, uh, of course, I got chastised. We yeah, both yeah. did, yeah. Yeah, and so that's something that we can share from now on, that uh, we were uh, chastised. And for. of all the people that would put something up online inappropriately, I think you and me are the two people that would not do that. Correct, correct. <laughs> but uh, I think by that uh, stage of the uh, evening, Paul was ready to fight anyone. I think tonight was, you know, it was that classic uh, shopping trolley with the wobbly wheel. Every now and then it ran, it ran the right course. Is this the show that will be presented in Perth later in the week? I don't know what's going to be presented in Perth after tonight, to be honest. It could be a fruit meatloaf that's presented in Perth. The, f- the folks at home, that uh, that pause was uh, me laughing uh, quietly because I'm a professional. But a fruit meatloaf is uh, exactly what Perth is going to be. The fruit meatloaf is a perfect way to describe it. Anything is possible in Perth. As someone who's going to really not be put off by Ferguson, for Bunga Bunga 20, if there's a burning social issue or a question or an incident you could bring up for Ferguson, what would be something to ask him at this point for the show? I always find that if you're lost for a a good thing to get inside, like get under Ferguson's skin, is always Morrissey. To me, it's tried and true, but uh, that's what I would always bring up. Any other 80s artists you want to stick in there? Timbuk3? Timbuk3, anything to do with community radio as well. And of course, something that's now part of the show, homeopathy. Very close to Tim's heart. Kinesiology. Let's bring up kinesiology with Tim because he would love that. Yeah, lift your arm up and then you and then you and, and then they tell you that you had a bad childhood. Anyone would think you're not into bullshit, yet you're the tour manager for the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Correct. There's a dichotomy. Well, the thing about working with the Dugs is that it's part genius and part truck crush. And that's what I live for. Good luck with the next year. Yeah, yeah. Good luck in Perth. I will need it. You couldn't believe I'm just wandering around the Howard Park Hotel in Sydney and I got some um, compliments on my shirt, sir. You want to describe my shirt for the homeless dump? It's a Las Vegas welcome shirt with a a lot of pop art going on. From Adamstown Markets in Newcastle. It's like some hopeless gambler has sat there and has thrown up all their despair onto your shirt. This shirt represents everything that life involves. You've got sex, you've got rock and roll, Mm. you've got fast cars. Yes. I'm talking to Tim here. Tim, man, the end of the second night, it's amazing. Well, the second show was harder than the first one. The first one we had the excuse of, we haven't done any of this before. But of course, in the second show, you don't have that excuse. You've got to pretend that it's still new and fresh. 
Of course, you know, people, uh, even though they know it's a workshop and a practice, they do expect the best, and I think there was a bit of magic tonight. It's very much a mental editing process. Because a lot of it's improvised, you just do it a second time because you did it for the first time last night. It bubbles up in your imagination, and you have to deal with it at the time. So some of the jokes, yeah, just were useful in different places. I look forward to speaking to you sometime in the frou-frou in the future. Enjoy Perth, Tim. Oh, yeah, and we're going to get Bunga Bunga busy, Maynard. You bet. Thanks very much. I know your beautiful wife Stephanie's not here tonight. Does that mean you're you're on the loose, or what's the story? Oh yeah, she's because she's been working so hard. The expression she has a real job. Yeah, real job, not like this Nancy pants. I'm a comedian and we sing songs. That's not a job. It's not even work. It pays, but I don't know how you would categorise it apart from being paid for being a craven misfit. And there's an equal sign that goes between Star Wars opening, Tim Ferguson costume, Princess Leia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, it starts with Princess Leia. And here's some sound effects from Tim's chair. And give us a bell. Anytime, Maynard! Uh, of course, if you want to ask the real people what the uh, Doug Anthony All-Stars fans are like, you could ask the bar staff at the Harold Park Hotel, as this gentleman I'm about to ask right now. So what sort of people are the Doug Anthony All-Stars fans from the position of yeah, me. Yeah. What do they drink? What do they like? Are they polite? Do they tip? All those things. They're very polite. They've been wonderful to have. They drink a Hendrix and tonic with a slice of cucumber. And then we also had a Grey Goose and tonic wow, in okay. a tall glass, yes. And then I think the other ones were just the craft beers. They're in love with the uh, the, the Kosciuszko Pale Ales and the, uh, the Rocks Hangmans from Alexandria. Are they any more or less polite or rude than the regular comedy crowd you get here? The regular comedy crowd usually don't spend much money. They're already men of class in that sense. But I feel like they're much more professional comedians than some of the open mic nights we have here. Bunga bunga! bunga. (laughs) Well, two nights with the Doug Anthony All-Stars there at the Harold Park Hotel. Two very special nights that uh, won't be repeated for a while. Everyone who was there had a great time. Thank you all the Patreon supporters that were there and thank you, you guys. You, you're so generous to us. Paul seemed a bit nervous at times. Oh, yeah, we were all a bit nervy just because it's a whole bunch of new songs, a whole bunch of new routines and you never know, firstly, if it'll hold together and secondly, most importantly, will it be funny? It's quite a terrifying experience. I don't let my fear show because it's not within my character, but I was uh, I was actually quite calm until I saw how nervous Livingston and McDermott were, and then th- that wound me up. And before you get all onto Facebook and Twitter and go, oh, there's no recording of the show, well, of course there's not a lot of recording of the show because these guys have got to uh, hawk this show around the world for the next year. I don't want to be giving it away now. Just sing to yourself, Istanbul, not Constantinople. Yes, it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. And just keep doing that and you'll start to feel a warm sensation come over you. And that will be basically what the concert was. Well, I think now we should round up the show with what we always like to round up the show with. That's Tim Ferguson's Right of Reply, where Tim tells you what you need to know and you never want to know in the first place. Tim Ferguson's Right of Reply. Don't expect too much. Come out, come out wherever you are. Malcolm? Malcolm? 
Malcolm. Now, now, can we just turn back to another Malcolm that was a Liberal Party member, Malcolm Fraser. I remember he said after the Whitlam government that he would be the kind of leader that would put sport back on the front page. So is Malcolm Turnbull trying to get politics off the front page and put sport on the front page? He's just trying to make things a little bit more calmer than the Abbott leadership? He has an even grander plan. So that's part of the plan. But his plan probably can be described by the character Stuart Pearson in the British series by the BBC, The Thick of It, where he says, some are for it, some are against it. And while we do nothing, we can call that consensus. Malcolm is doing what any good prime minister in Australia should do, which is twiddle away time. Twiddle away, twiddle away. Look how successful Steve Brax was in Victoria. His government for seven years did nothing and remains the high point of popularity. Malcolm is, you know, saying everything's on the table. Everything, including Manus Island, is still on the table. The GST rising is still on the table. Except no one can see what room the table's in. Because the lights are off, university funding, health, I mean, everything is on the table, and Malcolm will leave it there. That is where he remains the most popular, because as soon as you start taking stuff off the table, you start making enemies. At the moment, 66% of Australians feel that their issue is on the table and being discussed, no matter how ding-fuckery bat it may be. But this isn't any way to go into an election cycle. Of course it is. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We are the table party. Things are on the table. Maybe a bit of, you know, we'll raise the GST. The beauty of that is that the public doesn't really care about the GST with that great visceral loathing and fear that it had when it first arrived. People go, I don't know, 5% extra? Will I get a bit of a tax kickback? Okay. Malcolm will be if he plays his cards really right, the Prime Minister who doesn't do anything for at least three years. You know, we're at war for God's sake. Tony Abbott would use that. So come on out, Malcolm. You've managed to delay gay marriage until after the election and then make it everybody else's choice. You're going to make something that's nobody's business, everybody's business, by having a plebiscite. Malcolm's much smarter than a person who's gonna do anything. So come on out, Malcolm. Are you moderate? Are you right wing or are you just a rich guy having a hobby? Come out wherever you are. What did you think of the book that was recently released uh, through Melbourne University Press about the dismissal, things you didn't know about the dismissal that showed that Fraser had a much greater involvement directly with Kerr than was expected? Kerr had a bit of a word to Prince Charles during the independence celebrations a month or two beforehand in New Guinea. So there was a lot more colluding behind the scenes going on than was ever let on by them. The dismissal was a crime. And it was a double dismissal because as well as the dismissal of the leader, you had a dismissal of the parliament and the parliament had a no confidence vote in Fraser that afternoon so technically that parliament should never have gone ahead with that caretaker prime minister it was a crime it was a constitutional crime it was a bunch of people using a drunk governor general who on the day of signing you can imagine was pissed was hammered when he finally signed the writs that removed whitlam and his government it was criminal action Long may we say, God save the Queen. Well, I don't know if she really earned her stripes that day. It was criminal action, and it doesn't surprise me that Malcolm had his dirty, grubby hands all over it. The fact that he turned out to not be racist. What, do you want to wear that on a T-shirt? Oh, we should take care of Africa. Fucking everybody with half a brain says that. But the left wing, you nutbags in Northcote, 
all went, oh, well, Malcolm can't be that bad. Why? Because he's not racist and he doesn't like Tony Abbott. What sane person is the opposite of that? So it was a crime and it's still a crime. I know Richard Feidler's always rolled his eyes when I go on about this, but the Liberal Party should have been disbanded and made illegal because they committed a swindle. And we got lumped with the pragmatist Malcolm Fraser, who was a bit like Steve Brax, entirely useless. Fraser didn't do a damned thing. Wow. As part of the Bunga Bunga Festival of Dumb Ideas, which we uh, surface from time to time, don't we, Tim? Oh, man, we always do that. Part of the Bunga Bunga Festival of Dumb Ideas is I'm actually trying something out on the 5th of December in Newcastle. If you're available on the 5th of December in Newcastle, we have Maynard The Farce Awakens. As we discussed on the recent show, Spaceballs is such a great piss take of Star Wars, I'm going to screen it at the Royal Exchange in Bolton Street. It's an event on Facebook. You can look up theroyalexchange.com.au and see. It's a venue. Give them a call. I mean, it only holds about 20 or 30 people, and I thought we might have fun. We might even get a video greeting from you to open the night, Tim. I think that'd be fantastic. I'd love to. I mean, this is an evening that will move Newcastle (laughs) at ludicrous speed. Ludicrous speed. (gasps) Ludicrous speed. The 5th of December is when The Farce Awakens with Maynard in Newcastle. And I'll just be, we'll basically be having a screening and sitting around as part of our festival of dumb ideas, which continues ad infinitum. It's a festival of dumb ideas, people. So come dressed as you like. And are you still going with the uh, Princess Leia outfit for your opening of the actual Star Wars movie? Yes, I certainly am. I know people may laugh, but after 20 minutes, the joke wears off and they start to see the beauty. Just the two croissants, either side. And of course, uh, I will be having fake braless boobs just to complete the picture. That's been Bunga Bunga 20 and he's been... Tim Ferguson. And I've been Maynard and it's time to say...
Maynard.com.au Hey you! 